Hello and welcome to the Property Management Show. I'm your host, Alex Sosenenko. My day job is the CEO of 4.5, a marketing company that works exclusively with fee-based property management companies. I spent the last seven years of my life helping property management companies become more successful by improving sales, marketing, and operational efficiency. On this show, we'll deconstruct success into its key components and invite subject matter experts to help you improve every facet of your business. Thank you for tuning in and enjoy the show. Hey, welcome to the show today. Today has a very special episode. Um, we're doing a video interview with Andrew Warner, who runs Mixergy, uh, uh, Mixergy.com. It's a podcast that interviews entrepreneurs, and he's got over a thousand interviews from the likes of, you know, founders of Wikipedia.com, Gary V, and lots of other very famous names. Now, I just finished. A, uh, we just came back from a NARPM national conference in Maui, and I did a talk on converting leads in hyper-competitive market. One of the things I mentioned is, or one of the biggest questions I got, in fact, after the talk was, hey, Alex, what do you follow and who do you recommend we follow to get you know good business and entrepreneur-related information? And the first thing I said was Mixergy. So I'm going to interview Andrew on this video. Um, it's a very good lesson. And once you finish with this, go ahead and go to Mixergy.com and subscribe. I think you will be just, um, you will level up your business significantly by just listening to Andrew's interviews. Um, this episode is sponsored by PM Grow. I have something very special for my podcast listeners. Uh, you will get a $100 discount off of the conference. And of course, PM Growth Summit is the premier conference for entrepreneurs in the property management space. All the big names and fastest growing property management companies are going to be there. We have an incredible speaker lineup. Get $100 off on me. It's uh, just navigate to com forward slash property dash management dash podcast. That's where my podcast lives and click on the link to get your $100 off. Oh, and one more thing. If you did not attend the national conference or weren't present for my talk, I encourage you to check that out at 4 forward slash talk, where you can actually watch the video and download and review the slides of the talk. Now, here's Andrew. I am incredibly honored today. Um, I'm joined by... Andrew Warner, he is the master interviewer. Uh, I think that's the yep. first title I would give him. <laughs> and he runs a most popular podcast for entrepreneurs. It's called Mixergy. This is where I go and pick up everything I know. The, I, I follow another four or five different podcasts. I just like lifestyle and other things. But when it comes to business, Andrew's stuff is top notch because it's not Andrew teaching you, you know, the wisdom of his ways. It's Andrew interviewing all of the top dogs out there, like what? Let me let me drop names. Tim Ferriss, Four Hour Work Week, big guy. I mean, I follow his podcast as well. Barbara Corcoran, you know, Shark Tank, love Shark Tank. Jessica Livingston, Y Combinator, and I have Neil Patel. We all know Neil Patel with Kiss Metrics. He's a like Uber marketer. Some of my, some of my favorites, not to interrupt your intro, but some of my favorites are the guys who listened and then came back and did interviews. Like I remember the founders of Airbnb listening, saying, "Andrew, you should have us on." And I said, "Well, I'm not sure. You guys seem a little too small." 
then mm-hmm. they told me what they were doing and how they were building it and how they were thinking about their business and how far they'd come. And I said, oh, wait a minute. I made a mistake. Come on on here. And so to me, that is the most exciting. The people who are listening end up building these incredible companies and then they don't forget. They come back and say, now I'm going to show everyone how I did it. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So, so there's some really big names. I mean, I was getting to Gary Vee, uh, but now you got founders of Airbnb. I mean, we're talking 1,100 plus interviews, right, Andrew? I mean, that's that's some significant yeah. wisdom locked in Andrew's head that we're going to try to right. unpack a little bit for specifically. I asked Andrew, Andrew, can you come on to my little show and teach um, our tribe, the property management inter- entrepreneurs, a little bit about how some of these knowledge applies to them? And so let me just dive in. Remember how you just like when you interviewed me, you just kind of smacked me with the, what's your revenue question? <laughs> yes. I'm not going to do that. Okay. <laughs> no but, smack for Andrew, huh? But something, something close enough, um, something that might be close to your success. Um, specifically, so here's, here's kind of the concept out there that 20% of the work brings 80% of the results, right? That's, that's kind of what the productivity coaches uh, look for. Um, I quote you. I'm going to quote you. You said this. So when you build a startup, the secret to success is to figure out what that 20% is and only pay attention to that. And then you said, guess what? After I figured that out, Mixer G2 cough. What is that 20% for you, Andrew? Uh, for me, the 20% is a handful of things. One of them is to uh, talk to my customers a lot more, talk to my audience a lot more, talk to anyone who's involved or, or or excited about what I'm doing as much as possible. And I used to think that it's just about doing some online research. What I've discovered is that it's about finding ways to get them on the phone, to talk to them, to understand what they're going through. And for a long time, I've heard that. Right? The founders of Airbnb went and lived in their customers' homes. They actually lived in their homes mm. and saw what is it like to list on Airbnb? What problems do they have? And that's how they discovered things like, hey, you know what? Airbnb shouldn't, about just, shouldn't be about just renting a room in your house, but should be about being able to rent the whole, the whole apartment, the whole house. And they only discovered that when they got into someone's house who said, I'm actually away a lot and I want to rent this place when I'm away because it's kind of awkward to have someone in my house when I'm here, but why should I have my place sitting empty when I'm away? And so that's how they got into it. The thing is that it always seems so easy when these guys say, go talk to your customers. What when I tried to do it, I would call my customers. My people don't pick up the phone. Who picks up the phone anymore? Nobody Unless you know, right? No one does. And then if you try to schedule a phone call, no one wants to, to schedule a phone call to give you some help. It's just like it's a lot of work for them. And also they're putting themselves out there. So I couldn't get them on the phone. What it took was a lot of creativity to find ways to learn what my customers are going through. And so, so let's give some of those ways out. Here are a couple open. of things that I did. One of them is I didn't say can I learn from you so that I can improve the product for you and everyone else. The thing that worked best was emailing them and saying – Thanks for being a part of my community. I want to give you a free coaching session. Mm. Free coaching was the answer because with free coaching, there's something they're going through that they could use some help with. And if they're not, fine. They're not going to take me up on it. But if they are, then they'll take me up on it absolutely. And once I get on a call with them, we're not just chatting and trying to figure out why they signed up and what they want out of the, out of the site. When I talk to them, what they do is they say, Andrew, here's the one issue that I wanted to work with you on. Since you're giving me a 15-minute coaching call, here's what I'd like to get through. And then I understand their real problem and I understand what they're really going through. And I can solve it or help them out on the call. But more importantly, I understand the problem and I can build the solution into my interviews, into the courses that we do on Mixergy, into everything that we, that we stand for at Mixergy. And to me, that is really helpful. That's now, pretty brilliant. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah. No. 
that may or may not work for everyone else. I think it actually will work for a lot of people, but I know it won't work for everyone. The key that I'd like anyone listening to me to take away from this is we want to learn from our customers what to create for them, how to improve for them. But it's a challenge to, to figure out how to get them on the phone. If we call them and they don't pick up, it's not because this doesn't work. If we email them and they don't, they don't respond, if we offer coaching and they don't respond, we shouldn't stop there. We just have to spend some time figuring out what's the one thing that will work. And when you find it, then you're going to get on a call with them and then they're really going to tell you what they need. And when someone tells you, here's the desperate problem I have, if you can even just address it a little bit, they're going to be happy customers, right? Yeah, absolutely. So, so let me just, I have a, I have a very yep. interesting podcast interview with Lisa Wise and she's running this incredible uh, property management startup in DC and it's called Nest. And okay. I mean, it is a transformational when I listen to it, but what she actually, what she did, Andrew, check this out. She built her office inside a typical house these guys manage. So her employees can go touch the, 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 the bathroom, touch everything, figure out how the heater works, what, the, what, what air conditioner goes out. So they'll, they'll like do these things, right, to feel exactly, the, to build the empathy, right, uh, to understand yes. what customers are going through. So, I mean, she's growing phenomenally well, and her, her company is amazing. But this is basically accomplishes two things. It shows you how to you know, A, build your product and where to go with it, but B, it also creates the empathy that you can, you, you can transform your service with that. So Makes sense. That's it sounds like this is this next, nestexam.in? No, it's nestdc, nest, uh, I'm sorry, nes-dc.com. It's one of the most fascinating uh, um, startups in the property management community that I, I came across. There are some other ones that I came across since then, but Lisa is, you should probably have her on the show if mm -hmm. uh, you would be, Interesting. Um, She's definitely See, right now, up wonder, that alley. First of all, I think that's incredibly helpful. I'd wonder, can she actually get in, get her people into the actual homes of the people who are, who are uh, I guess it's renting from her, right? That's right? Can she actually get them in, invited to dinner or invited or, you know what, can she get them in to repair something, right? If she's managing, I imagine she's dealing with toilets, right? Can she get her people in and while they're fixing it, understand some of the problems that they're, that they're going through? I don't know. I, I but, think that's a fantastic idea. Actually, do some uh, do shadowing. Like we do shadowing, right? Account manager shadowing, sales guy, blah blah blah. What if you shadow your maintenance guy? Yeah. Right. See right. how the tenants feel, uh, you know, and how this whole process how can improve it. I mean, definitely. There's definitely right. some. That's huge. Yeah. Well, look at that. We're uncovering some good, good, interesting nuggets. There. <laughs> let's let's move on if you don't mind. Um, Hit me. All right. So this is the one. Um, in the last year or so, I've been really fascinated with two things. Pricing and unit economics, okay. okay, and how they impact the business. So you've had an interview I just listened to. Uh, it's called uh, Patrick Campbell, I think, with Price Intelligently. Mm -hmm. He is. You mentioned something that I I missed, and your your write up is not there yet. So, but I I think it might be useful for everybody here. You've used some kind of free tool to figure out your pricing and your revenue. Can you talk about that a little bit? Um, you know is what? I did well or something like that. Yeah. So actually profit well is one of his products. What I do is use profit well to get a sense of who's, who's buying from me. What are they about? Um, and then how long they stick around. The problem is that we use a software called Stripe to collect payment. Mm -hmm. Stripe is really good for processing payments, for giving refunds, for integrating into everything. It's stinky for giving you a clean dashboard that tells you how much revenue you even made last month, right? It's just not good at that. Uh, for telling you how much, ref how many refunds you had, what's your churn, all that stuff. So I signed up for ProfitWell to get that kind of a dashboard. I want to understand more than anything else, more even than how many people sign up, it's how many people churn, how many people leave. I'm obsessed with why are you leaving? What's wrong? What happened? 
because these are people who tried us out, who paid, and for some reason we let them down. We didn't live up to expectations, and I want to understand what that is. Mm. Very interesting. So, Profit Will, have you, do you have any advice, and this specifically for experimenting with pricing? Uh, I know there are companies that actually help you do that, and I think uh, Price Intelligently Price does it, but that's more that. of an enterprise. Like, we are way below that level, you know, uh, running two, three million dollar shops. We don't, we can't afford 45,000 on a pricing experiment. But having said that, there's got to be some wisdom that you've heard from other entrepreneurs. Do you, do you have any wisdom on specifically how to? Yeah, here's the best thing that, I, that I've discovered. I learned it from a guy named Will Schroeder. He runs a bunch of companies that he's bought, like uh, Zertual for virtual assistants. He runs uh, Launch Rocket for creating landing pages for a new business, etc. He said, Andrew, decouple the price from the offer. Meaning, don't say, here's my offer, pay this much, click this button to buy. Because then you can't tell if someone turned off by the price or they turned off by the product. So here's what I do now when I sell something brand new and try to figure out the price. I collect my audience's emails. I email them and I say, I've got this new product. If you want to find out about it, click here. They click. I tag them as having clicked on it. There's a page that shows the offer. There's a button that says buy it or get it. I tag whoever, bought, whoever clicked that button. And then on the next page is the price where they can actually um, decide how much they want to pay, like which level they want, and whether they even want to pay at all. If they leave it, I know it. If they on it, I know it too. All that stuff is tagged. It's not that hard to do, and we can talk about different ways to do that. Mm -hmm. What that gives me is then a way to go to someone who clicked the email, click the buy it button, and didn't buy. For me to go back to them and say, I noticed you were interested, but you didn't follow through. Can you help me understand why not? really critical. Is it the price? Is the price too much? Right? They'll tell you. I couldn't I'm not going to pay 50 bucks a month, they'll tell you or something like that. Or maybe they'll say it's they'll land on the page and they won't even click the get it button or buy it button and I'll ask them why not and they'll tell me something like Landry, you said this was a course. I'm actually in Australia. I can't sign up for a course because Australian time is kind of the opposite of US time and I won't show up for live classes for that. If I get that kind of feedback which I've had in the past, I go back to my sales page and I say there's a recording of every course. You do not have to be there live, and most people prefer not to watch it live. So I improve my sales page. What, gotcha. I, what I'm saying is you want to measure at every point, but more than measure, know the specific people who drop off at every point so you can follow up with them and ask them why. Wow. Well, you have to have systems to do something like that. I mean, you have to yes. be almost a tinkerer, right? I it's mean, not very hard to do. It, it's, you do it, need to be a tinkerer, but it's not expensive, and it's not very hard to do. Gotcha. Any specific tools you can yeah. recommend? Yes. Uh, any email system that you have will let you keep track of who's clicking on the link. What you want to do is set it up and they'll do it for you for free. They'll tell you there's usually at the end of the URL you attach a code that then will be replaced by the person's email address. So when they click the link, they come to your page, their email address is in the URL. Not hard. Talk to the customer service person. Then the forms that you use will allow you to capture that email address from the URL so that you can keep track of who's pressing the button, who's not, who's buying, etc. It takes a little bit of effort. If you call the customer service people at the email provider, MailChimp, Infusionsoft, Drip, whatever, they all have it. Aweber, which has been pretty crappy lately, has got it and has had it for years. Mm -hmm. um, homegrown systems will have it. If you do that, they'll show you how to do it. And then your, your landing page people talk to their customer service people. They will show you how you can do it too. It's built in. It's easy. But none of us take advantage of it. It's like having an iPhone and not taking advantage of the fact that you can both do email and use the phone. It's like having an iPhone and only using the phone feature. That's a big mistake. Mm. 
I see. I got you. So pricing wise, there's some experimentation there and, and the tools we already have potentially can help us with it. Let's, um, I have a little bit of a story and then a question. Is that cool? All right. I, I just came I back. I like stories. Yeah. Uh, it, it, this one fascinated me. I, I just came back from a, a, a real estate conference and you know, they had Darren, uh, Darren Hardy speak. Do you know who he is? Um, so he's a, like a super coach, motivational speaker, really sharp guy, um, incredibly knowledgeable. And what, what he told me, the, the audience was quite transformational. So he said, like, look, he's, he, he coaches these three CEOs from a, a large companies, and they invite, me, invite him to go play golf with them. And, and he's like, well, look, I don't really played out well, I don't want to go with you. And the CEO is like, no, 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 you have to go. You have to go. It's going to be a great event, blah, blah, blah. So he finally gives in. He goes to play golf with them. Uh, they get up on the golf course, and they're about to tee off. And he goes, look, guys, this can be your first business lesson for you of the day. They're like, well, you're going to teach us how to play golf. You don't play. He goes, well, just watch. So he, he gets up to the tee off and just whacks that ball. It goes pretty far, veers off into the brush, and everybody's like, you know, well, wasn't amazed <laughs> what Darren said is this this is your first lesson super achievers suck at golf he said I spend my time you know perfecting my skill to coach you and other CEOs and I have a big give up list so he went through his give up list he gave up TV he mm -hmm. gave up uh, uh, um, golfing he gave up sports I mean just like the, Facebook everything right so I, in your experience, you talk to a lot of founders. I really want to know this. Do you find these people follow the same path? They give up a lot of things to be that good at one thing, or do they balance? Yeah. You know what? Um, they do give up a lot. The one example that comes to mind is something that I forgot to ask the or didn't get a chance to ask my interviewee about. The guy who runs Y Combinator, the best uh, seed funding company out there. He gave up so many different foods and stuck with, I think, ramen long enough while he was building his company that he gave himself scurvy. Ooh. He made himself sick because he was so committed to focusing. That's amazing giving up. I see that kind of thing a lot. They're not doing a lot of other things. They're really super focused. They're not going to every conference. They're not going out and, like you said, golfing, especially if it's not where they're going to get their customers. They're focused on their, on their, their business, and it's really exciting to see. And when a friend of yours is going through it, it feels a little bit like they're being jerks. But you have to step off and understand that they need to do this. Yeah, I felt a little weird because you know I don't watch TV, I don't watch news, I, I don't do golf, I don't do a lot of. Th I give up a lot of things to you know two priorities, you know, business and family. Yep, that's that's it. I I got nothing else uh, that I can fit. Um, otherwise, one of them will suffer. Um, do you feel the same? Do you give up for Mixergy? I mean, what what? How much do you give up for Mixergy? I give up a lot. I give up um, everything. In my life, it's, it's work, it is family, and it's also a little bit of me. And by little bit of me, I mean I need to go running on a regular basis, minimum four times a week, about an hour of running. Really important that I get that time. Every single day, I need a little bit of downtime at the end of the day, like sitting and reading. I, I fight for those, or I used to in the early part of our relationship with my wife. Now she understands, she sees I'm a better person for getting out there and going for a run. Um, and apart from that, I think that's it. I'm not messing around. There's no time for it. Do you, when you run, do you listen to something or do you listen to music or you just tune out? I do a little bit of everything. I tend to go for such long runs that even though I'm not lonely in my life generally at all, actually, 
there's the one place I, I feel lonely sometimes, which is running. And so I will listen to audiobooks because I think it's productive. I will listen to podcasts because both productive and interesting. But sometimes I'll even make phone calls while I'm running. Nothing work-related, but I might call my brother, my sister, my parents. I might call like something like that so we can have a light conversation while I'm running. And it does help. Um, the majority of my time, though, is spent either listening to podcasts or an audiobook from Audible. I feel okay. This is this is now yeah. more of a founder question. A lot of people relate. Um, I feel that I don't have alone time at all. You mentioned something about alone time. Do we really need alone time? Do we need to that time where we just say, "Honey, I'm going to be gone for a day. I'm going to the lake. I'm going to go fishing." I do fishing a lot, but I'm not alone. I'm always with buddies. Like I'm always like bouncing ideas or listening to a book or something. Do we need that alone time? You think? You may not need it. If you need it, then you've got to fight for it. If you don't, then it's totally fine. Hmm. Okay. Interesting. So, but I do think we need something outside of work and frankly, even outside of family. The reason for that is that I, I was running a company that was doing a couple of million dollars a month, excuse me, in sales, even a little bit more than that. Um, then we went down to half a million a month and I felt like such a failure because everything felt like was going down being just doing half a million a month felt like a huge failure. And I then felt like a failure because my business was everything that I had. And if I had this sense going into the office that I was a failure, everyone around me would sense it and pick up on it. And why would they want to be guided by me? Why would they want to respect me? Why would people I'm trying to work with have any interest in my ideas and my salesmanship or any of it? They didn't. Then I started taking up running. And in the morning, I would go for a run and I would accomplish a one-mile run, which was a lot for me, or two-mile. And I would come into the office feeling like a victor, like I'd done something meaningful. Or I'd do a five-miler, or I'd do a 10K on the weekend. And I'd come into the office feeling like a champ because this thing that I didn't think I could ever do, I now did great. And that allowed me to think more clearly, more like, frankly, I hate to sound like, um, like a 1980 stereotype, but like a winner. I would walk in feeling like a winner, and it would come across in the way that I did things. I think we all need to have something outside that we can just be incredible at. And it doesn't have to be, at, it doesn't have to be sports, though I think there's something to moving your body. It could be music. Imagine you go out and you play a great set on a Saturday night, and the audience is cheering for you. That next Monday, you're going to feel like a rock star, and that's going to translate into better relationships with the people you work with, more authority when you're talking to people, and more creativity when you're trying to figure out the solution to a problem. I think it's really important. I think you hit on something that I, I'm just thinking through right now as you talk. And that is quite that is quite something. So, to feel the satisfaction for the work and and the business, you have to have you have to hit some milestones outside of work, whatever those might be. Yes. Because okay, I could see where you can't win. Like with family, there's no win. You just this is your time. This is your right. life. This is you're, you're committed. Like you're not gonna feel like you won when you you know when you took away the the iPad from your six year old. <laughs> right. That, that's a win in a way, but you're not really a winner. You know, you, you're just being a parent. Mm -hmm. By the way, you know, you got to be a parent. Um, but but doing accomplishing something, I think I've been missing that um, that element. I think that um, – Do you get out of fishing? Like if you go fishing – And I catch and something, yes. You do. You know, but I it doesn't sound like you get to go fishing often enough. Not often enough. I went to Hawaii a couple of weeks ago and I caught a 538-pound marlin. I mean, that would do it. That is a catch of the year. And that, like for, for, for the whole year, I happen to – look, I mean – you know, I have it on my iPhone. <laughs> I see it on the home screen. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so that's that helps me, but that's that's gonna take me for another couple of weeks. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, but yeah, interesting. 
So let's shift gears a little bit. Um, I want to ask you, I've been thinking a lot about this lately. Uh, do you have a coach? Uh, no, I don't. But I have at different times in my life, yes. How, do, you know, from your interviews and your personal relationships, how do you go about, do you have any advice on how to go about finding a coach that matches you? The best coach that I ever had was, I've gone through so many and they just didn't do it. The best was a guy who was an interview coach. He was really good at one thing. He'd done it. And he can give me clear guidance on it. And what we would do is every week I would get the transcripts of my previous week's interviews and we would do a postmortem on them. We would just go through the transcripts and he'd say, Andrew, here's what you did here that you should have done differently. Here's what you can do in the future. I would tell him about my problems for the week. I'd tell him about what's coming up. We'd strategize about what's coming up and we'd talk about ways to uh, overcome the problems from the previous week if it happened again. Really helpful. I don't know about other people. Other people might have had coaches that have been more helpful. I haven't, I haven't had that. For me, the people who are best are the ones who are really good at one thing specifically. Uh, when I got into cycling, back when I couldn't even clip myself into a bike, I found a coach who could just do long-distance cycling with me. He, he rode a bike next to me, a guy named Homer. As I was cycling, he was cycling, and he told me at what point you stand up, how do you adjust the gears, how do you deal with a hill when you're seeing it come up. All these things don't matter that much if you're going to do a five-miler to work, if you're going to do a 10-miler around town. They matter tremendously if you're planning to do what I did, which was a 100-mile bike ride, and then I did a 200-mile bike ride. And so to me, the only coaches that have really helped were ones who were really good at one thing, and they were teaching me that one thing uh, and actually giving feedback to me as I did it. Mm. So, I I've, I'm kind of similar a mindset. I, I I've never had coaches. I've had a few. You know, uh, I'm, I'm doing karate right now with my daughter. We have a we have a sensei. He's he's amazing, but he's good at, at you know he's third degree black belt and he's good at that. But I'm always worried about because that costs so much money, right? They cost so much money. I'm worried about getting the wrong one and hurting their feelings yes. by firing them. <laughs> that's that's why I, I don't get, get that. one. Or or getting the wrong one and then you're kind of locked in because how do you find the right one? Yeah. And I think one of the problems that these coaches have, and I think therapists have the same, the same issue, is you don't know what you're getting until you work with them for three weeks. And even if a best friend of yours tells you this guy's terrific, he may be terrific for them, but not necessarily for you. You have a different style, a different way of doing things. I wish that it was easier to, uh, to understand the methodology they have before you sign up. Mm. Like, for example, if I were going to, to, to take a running coach, I don't want any old running coach. I don't even want the running coach that's best for you or the one who got other people to do their first marathon or, or double their speed in, in the next marathon. I, I've gotten a lot out of barefoot running and I'd like to – I don't literally go barefoot. I go barefoot style running. I would get a, uh, a running coach who subscribed to that methodology who can help me with that process. I think the same thing is, is true for business. We used to um, – I volunteered for Dale Carnegie and Associates for a long time. Dale Carnegie is the guy who wrote uh, How to Win Friends and Influence yeah, People. Foundational book, right. Huge. I, I read it. I loved it so much. I knocked on the door of Dale Carnegie and Associates in, Mid in Midtown Manhattan, their main office, and I said, I love the book. I want to work here so badly so I can learn from you guys. I will do anything for free. And wow. they took me on. And what I noticed was when these um, executives would hire Dale Carnegie and Associates to either – work with them, coaching one-on-one, -on -one, or to train their people, they knew what they were getting. They knew that there was a certain Dale Carnegie and Associates methodology, that they were going to teach you how to relate to people by caring about them and listening to them and making them feel important. And so when they were hiring a coach, they knew exactly what they were getting. You can't do that in business. You can't usually get a business coach whose methodology you're really clear about and you agree with. Can't do that as a therapist. 
Which uh, puts me, uh, is there a solution out there, do you think? I think the best solution out there is if somebody reads a book by a person that they really respect or whose methodology works for them, go hire the person who that author trained or who's trained by them. So if you are, for example, um, into Dale Carnegie, Dale Carnegie's book, go to Dale Carnegie and Associates and bring on one of their coaches to give you that methodology in your company. If you are into getting things done and that's actually worked for you, go and get a getting things done coach, someone who's actually worked through their process so that they're not giving you a brand new system, but they're taking the system that you already like and, and, and has worked for you and, um, and helping you implement it better. Uh, or the E-Myth or something like that. But I could see – The that- E-Myth has that. You know, if you're into the E-Myth, you actually can hire one of their people. There's a whole organization there that, um, that yep. will help you implement it. Yep, they 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 have pretty big uh, setup there. But so so I think we hit on something interesting. Uh, there's no solution to fast track that, right? So you got to be. But you gave me a really good idea. Go read the book. But there's got there's got to be a business out there for something like that. I I, I already feel it because I feel the pain. I've felt the pain for the last two three years. I haven't spent money on coaching and I haven't improved myself because of my fear of getting the wrong one and then yep. hurting their feelings by firing them. Because I'm not. I I can't I can't work with somebody who's not working for me. You know what, for the firing part, I think it helps to say I only need two sessions and see what they do in two. They're always going to try to get four or five or more out of you and tell you that it doesn't work unless you commit to it for the rest of your life. I think that's fine. But you can kind of tell after a couple of meetings whether someone's good. Hmm. And frankly, challenging them to show you some results within two meetings will actually be really helpful. Gotcha. So I still want to reciprocate and – give you uh, uh, the hard time you gave me on your interview. Yeah. Uh, I don't want to do it too badly to you, but I, I do want to, I'm very curious about uh, uh, Mixergen. Where are you scaling? I mean, what do you see? You put in a lot of, you, you put it, you put your, your life and soul into this. Where is it going? Where are you taking it? The vision behind Mixergy has always been to create a place where if you're an entrepreneur, you can learn directly from other entrepreneurs. My preference is for long form audio. And I know that there are other ways that might be better for people to study, for some people to study. But there's a group of people for whom audio just works. And to be able to listen to the founders of Airbnb, for example, talk about how they, how they studied what their customers needed and build things for them is helpful for other entrepreneurs. And I'd like to create the online school, the online resource where you can learn from people like that, specific things that they do well. And that's been the model. The interviews that I've done, and anyone can go and grab the latest interviews for free on iTunes or uh, there are a bunch of different uh, podcast apps out there. I'd love it if they did actually. Just go to your podcast app and go get, uh, go get Mixergy. Mm-hmm. But that's like what brings people into the fold. That's what introduces them to Mixergy. It's the courses where you're really going to dive in and learn something, where you're going to take a specific topic that someone's really good at and learn from them. For example, Justin Kahn is a guy who's had several businesses, including uh, founding Twitch. Twitch is a place where you get to play video games and have an audience of people watch you live. It's a huge business. And in is, fact, Amazon it bought it for almost a billion dollars. He's, t- he's got a course on Mixergy where he teaches you how to build a product that people really want. And he's not telling you theories. He's not giving you this overall like multi-month uh, course. He's saying, here is the one hour that's going to give you the best of my ideas, best of my process for doing it. And each point that I give, he says, I will illustrate with how I did it wrong and how I did it right. And to me, Andrew, that is the most 
the most important part. He's telling you what's worked for him. He's giving you specific examples of how he did it that gives him the kind of credibility that you need in order to teach entrepreneurs. And that's the model. Now, I want to scale it. I want to grow it. I want to figure out where the next thing is with it. And that's that's my baby. That's what I'm trying to do here. So who sets up the course? Is it you interview him and you essentially record that and you just take him through that progression or does he just do it himself? And It works in different ways. Every single person needs to work with us somehow. So what we did there was I hired a producer who went through all of his material. He's written things online. He's done a lot of teaching actually on Snapchat, believe it or not. Um, and we accumulated a, the, the most applicable ideas for us and we said, here's what we think your methodology is. Are we right? And he looked at it and said, actually, I think I would change it here. I think this is how I would adjust it. Here's how I would make it more relevant to what the world is like today. And so we said, all right, here it is. Here's our process. We need you to tell us specific examples of how you did it. And and here's how we like to break it up because we know that if you give one long chunk, people aren't going to fully understand it. But if you take an idea, you teach it with a few examples, then take a break and go to the next idea, people will remember it. We taught. We showed him that process. He used it and he taught. Um, that's an unusual thing to do, to be able to have access to someone like that in the first place and to have their trust so that they could work with you on a process. I think the only way I was able to get that is because I've done Mixergy for so many years before that, that he's known me. He's, he's done interviews with me. He's interacted with me. People he's invested in have interacted with me. And so he can trust me in, in his house and my producer to come to his house. And he could trust our process so that we could deliver for him and he could deliver for our audience. So that's something really unique. That's like Napoleon Hill back in the yes. day, right? He went and talked to all these uh, uh, key, you know, uh, multi-billionaires, whatever, but, uh, and created the most popular book in the world. Um, speaking of the book, are you going to do a book? I mean, that sounds I'd like, like a, to at some point. All right. You're not working on that yet? No. Mm. Okay. Because uh, that's distilling all those interviews into yeah. a book. It's got to be so much work. That's the goal. It's not about what you write. It's about what you don't write <laughs> and what yes. you pick to put in it. Uh, the, um, yes. Because there's so much gold there. Um, all right. So one last thing, right? Um, um, look, um, the biggest problem I think that my industry um, – faces and small business in general is um, we're not that good in building a culture in our organization. We lose employees. There's a lot of churn. A lot, a lot of people are, uh, but most are not. Uh, most just, just, you know, it's just a difficult thing to do for a small business. So what some of the less radical practices that founders you speak with use to have the, to create the, you know, the, the feeling of confidence, I'm sorry, competence and care in their teams. I see, because radical is a lot of work, and Slide people often in the office. Radical is uh, pizza parties, you know, every day. Red Bull everywhere. Uh, Less yeah, radical. Yeah. Something more that a small business scale can afford. Yeah. Plus, with the big radical idea, you walk in and you say, "Here's what I'm going to do to create company culture," and everyone knows you just read a book, and you're going to start something brand new that next week is going to go away. Yep. It's much better, I think, to pick one thing that you stand for and then just do it in a small way to let everyone know this is the future and just keep doing it. So if what you're going to be is someone whose company is about sending out gifts and you sent me a, a wonderful gift, uh, sure. I don't want to embarrass you, but my son just, my new baby loves it. We, you gave us this, one of the things you gave me was this pacifier with a mustache, which I put on for a photo, uh, with my wife. And, um, and it turns out he liked it. He gave me some like 20 minutes of calm when he was screaming. Wow. 
Yeah, that is a lot. So but, but that's man crate. I have to I have to give it to man crates. I mean, that's I discovered them. I mean, that's that's the way to do gifting for men. Yeah, man crates is fantastic. Oh. What a lifesaver. Uh, Mancrates.com, guys. Nobody pays us to do this. They're just awesome. <laughs> they really are good. Well, if what you want to do is create a culture where everyone in your company gives little gifts as a way of, and you gave me a big gift, but beyond what, what I just described here. But if you want a culture of people giving out gifts, you start giving gifts to your people, and they're going to start passing it on to others. If you want a culture where people are really good about sending thank you notes, send thank you notes to people who you work with as a way of starting to show them what it's like and then buy them note cards and make it easier for them to send out thank you and thank you notes. But find what you want to do and do it for your people first and then let them pass it on to others. I think that is the smallest, easiest way to get started with culture. So basically what I'm hearing is lead by example. Do this yourself. Don't necessarily just talk about it. Do it. And then if you need to encourage people, you can then talk about it, I suppose, and at least cover it in some way. But don't just expect people to jump on your latest uh, idea. Right. Um, <laughs> you got to have some uh, some thought. Um, and, and, and you know what? And for the most part, people will give up on it. Once they try it a few times, they're going to realize, you know, this is actually not as easy as I thought it was. What am I doing trying to implement this on other people? Oh, trying to get everyone else to implement this when I can't follow through on it myself. And then they'll scrap it and maybe come up with something different. But I think if you do it yourself, you'll feel the pain of doing it and the pleasure of doing it. And you'll know whether it's worth continuing. Got you. Andrew, one last question before before we go. And I, by the way, I yeah. do pre appreciate your time. And I hope everybody goes to Mixergy.com and begins their journey into this incredible minds of these entrepreneurs that, that Andrew so kindly opens up for us. I would um, love it. One last question. Um, if you were to coach someone, what would you coach him in? Ah, The one thing I think that's really effective is meditation. And I use this process that I call the true mind meditation where you don't have to quietly sit in a room. You can walk around. In fact, you're encouraged to walk around as you're meditating. You're encouraged to even listen to music, high-octane high music if that's what, what you're into. But the goal of meditation is to train your mind to focus on one thing despite all the distractions that come in through your head. And the reason for that is that when we want to make a sale – it's natural for us to think of all the different reasons why the sale is not going to work out. It's natural for us to think, well, this guy's heard it all before. I don't, right? We don't even notice it, but those thoughts go through our head. I call those thoughts countermind thoughts. They're not true. They're lies. They're counter to what we're trying to do, and they distract us. By doing some meditation and focusing on what we truly want, where we're truly going, what's really, truly useful for us, we learn to, to in the moment when all those distraction thoughts come on, to tune them out and focus on what we want to do. I think to me that is the most important thing, the most powerful thing. I would love to teach everyone how to properly meditate. Not meditate like a wuss in pajamas sitting in a room listening to, to calm music. That's not us, right? We're much more active than that. But meditation that teaches you how to focus as the person who you really are, energized, determined, looking to do a lot with your life. That's the thing. Awesome. Well, when you come up with a podcast like that, you let me know and I'll share it with the audience. Uh, I'm actually would be very curious for that as well. Andrew, thank you kindly for your time. You've been um, you've been a, a transformational person for me. Your business has been incredible Thanks. for thousands of people out there. And I'm sure you're actually if you if you're able to get point zero 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 one percent of the success that you've actually contributed to from the people around the globe, you would be a billionaire. 
I would like that. I would. <laughs> and it all starts with, you know what? The best way for me to get to know people is for them to come to my office. And if they're ever in San Francisco, I encourage them to come to the office and see where I record. But second best is for them to subscribe to the podcast. It's M-I-X-E-R-G-Y. And of course, let, let me know that Alex is a guy who introduced us. I would love you even more if you came through Alex. Thank you. Um, it was a pleasure, Andrew. Appreciate it. Thank you.